Cords in the Cloud. All right, hello and welcome everyone to another chat and learn here with Power to Fly. My name is Mariella and as always, super excited to dive into this next hour with you all, um, especially with Amy, who I'm gonna present, or actually I'm gonna pass the mic to her and she's gonna do a great job presenting herself. Uh, but I had the pleasure of interviewing her, I guess it must've been a month ago and we were talking about how time just is in this weird place where it kinda doesn't exist anymore, you see each other. Uh, virtually so often uh, and you feel like you know you're really making some uh, big moves in your life um, as you'll see that we're talking about negotiating and increasing your income so I know that a lot of folks are chewing on this topic right now especially with COVID what do we do how do we do it so Amy uh, is going to dive into uh, your awesome questions that you've submitted offline but I just want to go over some housekeeping rules to get everyone uh, cozy and feeling like you know they can participate in confident uh, so please turn your cameras on if you feel like you can. I know that, uh, you know, a lot of us are multitasking and we're living inside, um, you know, maybe we haven't showered, but you can put your virtual background on. Nobody's judging you here. We'd love to see your smiling faces. So come off camera if you can. Uh, hop off of mute uh, whenever you want as well. I've muted everyone upon entrance, but uh, that's just to avoid any background noises. Uh, I cannot stress enough. We'd love to hear from you. So Turn your cameras on, come off mute whenever you can. Uh, and if anything, you know, want to be, if you want to keep anything uh, non anonymous, uh, you can find me in the chat box. See, I'm super excited. I'm like tripping over my tongue. Um, find me in the chat box under Mariella uh, and I will keep your question anonymous uh, for Amy to flag. Um, and the last thing that I'll say is that this is being recorded. So please be present with us and then you can rewatch this video on Power to Fly and take notes then. Uh, and follow us on social so that you can stay in touch with us. And we've got some great chats coming up. Amy, I hope to have you back on again. I'm speaking ahead of myself, but I had so much fun with you last time. Uh, and I'm gonna pass the mic to you now. So Amy, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to know about Power to Fly and what you're excited to share with us today. Uh, I'm happy to. My name is Amy Holland. I've been in the tech industry for about 15 years. And before that I was in children's publishing. Uh, I work remotely full-time in Oregon, which has been just a blast. I'm on, I just moved a year ago last January, so I'm almost to two years here. Um, I'm super excited to be available and share the knowledge that I have. I think I've taken a very abnormal career path, and I've found that a lot of rules can be broken, so I'm happy to share how those rules can be broken. Um, I found out about Power to Fly through my mentor and coach, uh, Taylor, who is incredible and wonderful. She's supposed to be attending, I think, but she just texted me and said she's got a power line down. <laughs> so hopefully she's here in spirit. Um, anyways, I'm just super excited to address the questions that came in. I got a preview and they look awesome. And don't be shy. I will answer anything. I am an open book. I want other people to benefit from the knowledge that I've learned firsthand. Yes, love that. So your friend can watch this again, don't worry. Yeah. Um, and, and then yes, we'll give her, yeah, we'll get her to uh, join maybe 10 minutes before on the next one so we can have her uh, joining in with some of her questions. So with that said, you all are calling from all over. I'm just going to give you a shout out in a minute, um, but you have submitted some great questions offline. We're going to take uh, these questions one by one, and I'm just going to shout you all out who have written in the text box already. Um, so Nicole's calling from Buenos Aires. We've got folks calling from Southern California, Minneapolis, DC, uh, New York, uh, Ontario, Maryland, Minneapolis. Great. So I'm calling from Argentina. Amy's in Oregon. Um, and so with that said, you know, we are pretty spread out here. And I know that a lot of folks uh, are probably going to rewatch this later from different parts of the world. So again, Amy, I know you know the drill, but you know, 
this global economy uh, that that we are thriving on right now and that is kind of collapsing slash what's going on. Uh, we, I'd love for you to approach this from a global perspective um, so that we can, you know, hit on some of these nails that are affecting all of us essentially in the world. Um, and so we're going to take these questions one by one. If you see your question come up on the screen, feel free to come off of mute. Uh, if it's not your question and you had a dream last night and you want to add your two cents, come off of mute as well. So let's take this first one. Uh, how do you build the confidence to start that uncomfortable conversation? That's a really great question. Um, it, it really is a mind game to get the ball rolling. I think that for myself, a lot of it was working with a mentor, working with a coach, checking in with friends. And, and for me, the biggest part was having myself realize my own value and my own worth and that I can do hard things. So even if it's uncomfortable, even if my voice shakes, even if um, I'm not even a hundred percent certain that I can get it, even if, you know, all these even ifs that pop up, um, it can still be worth it. So a lot of times I didn't have a huge amount of confidence, but I knew my value and I knew that I could ask and I knew it was a conversation. And so it really was a leap of faith, to be honest, of like broaching that subject and saying, hey, can we talk about finances, which, you know, I think almost in any culture is very uncomfortable. And I know in some it's even more. Um, I have a lot of coworkers that are from the Philippines. And culturally there, I think it can be really challenging to have those kind of conversations. So thinking about it globally, you know, a lot of it is kind of putting aside the cultural norms and the cultural stereotypes, because they really are stereotypes, they're not facts. And recognizing that having a conversation about money, there isn't a bad connotation with that. There isn't evil. There isn't greedy. This isn't an automatic, like, because I'm making more money, it's a bad thing that shines a negative light or anything like that. I think once you step past that mentality that there's a negative connotation with it, then you start realizing that it really is about like the possibilities of your life and opening up and expanding what you can make pop possible. And when you know that you're a good person and you have good intentions and you're going to spread that money around in positive ways and expand things that other people can do in great ways too, then it becomes even more of a funnel for great things versus something that is based on being uncomfortable or having negative connotations, those kind of things. So it's a shift of mindset and I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's not easy. Um, a lot of it for me is like, you just fake it till you, you get there and you'd be surprised how far you can get fake in it too. Cause there were times where I would go in knowing that I'd done my research and I have kind of an idea and then not thinking like, well, I just came from a job that paid this amount, which let's say it was 25,000 annually, just came from a job that pays this. I know that this position earns 40,000, but who am I to say that I can make that jump, right? You think, well, they were only willing to pay me 25. So that means I'm not worth 40 yet. I had to get rid of all of those kinds of thinking and because they're not they're not one plus one equals two. It's, you know, the quintessential apples and oranges of you're getting paid for the work that you can provide and the value that, that position goes for and the relationship that they believe that you can give them as far as what kind of benefits you're going to bring to them. Um, so it's, it's 
and I've done that successfully. And there's so many times where I've, I've kind of like voice quivering been like, well, I know that this position pays this much and I just don't even acknowledge what my last job paid because honestly, it doesn't have to enter the conversation. It doesn't matter what I was paid yesterday. It matters what this job is worth and it matters what they think I'm worth in this situation. Um, I think I did, I dove really deep on that one, <laughs> but it's I'm, a really I'm, big part of it. <laughs> yeah, no, you can continue because I'm, I'm like, I love that you're making it more of a holistic approach as well, instead of, you know, um, I don't know, thinking of your worth as being something finite. I mean, the fact that we put a value, a number value to it anyway, is, uh, is an, it's an, uh, it's a concept that let's call it a creative concept, right? It's a, it's a story that we're believing. If I, you know, do this work, then I put this value on it. Right. And excuse me, because I'm, I'm reading this book right now <laughs> that I just showed you when we were offline, Sacred yeah. Economics, um, Money, Gift and Society in the Age of Transition by Charles Einstein. They're not paying me to pub publish this or sorry, uh, promote this. But I'm just like in bed reading this and it's so interesting to start to ex exactly what you're saying to think of this as, as a more service sort of partnership and you're not uh, and in that case it, it's uh, it's necessary to have these conversations so that if you intend to do you know some some good things you know pay it forward leave the door open you know make some space at the table like let's start doing these little moves together and then if no you know you can't question your worth in that case i love that anyway I, i'm diving deep too so this is for me this is the point awesome. let's go deep <laughs> um if you all want to chime in yeah who are who are on the call with us feel free to drop in the chat box um also come off mute if you feel so until then let's move on to this next question um so what do you need to keep in mind when having or even trying to have these conversations uh, I see a lot of people who are nervous when having these conversations or alternatively enter these conversations with a very combative mindset. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay. So one of the things that served me best, and this is maybe going to sound a bit counterintuitive, is to kind of set emotion aside. Um, when this becomes a discussion about facts and about you know, um, how you have performed, those are additional facts. I mean, this is about experience over emotion. And so it's really important to have a, a very neutral mindset when you go in because the combative part can be come from a place of insecurity and fear, right? So if somebody is feeling insecure, fearful, and they get a negative response, it can be a very natural human emotion to feel upset or combative based on that response, even though you knew going in that that's a potential result. And the same can go for people who are nervous, right? So they're feeling insecure, they're feeling unsure of, of um, what they're thinking. And that also is going to kind of set that tone for that conversation, um, which can be, I would, I would argue that being nervous is better than being combative. Um, that you can still have these conversations and be nervous. And a lot of times it can be, depending on if you have a manager or the person that you're talking to is sympathetic. Um, I think you'll find that a lot of people will be very patient and calm and understand that this is hard and want to hear you out knowing that it's hard. Um, but the more that you can go in with facts, with research, with, um, Confidence, if you don't have it in yourself, at least have it in your research and the knowledge that you've gained. Um, 
I think that you can do that and go in there and have these conversations be a lot more successful. Even if you get a no in the end, the chances of you gaining more information instead of just shutting down at no are really high if you can stay very neutral. Um, so for example, like I, I have had clients when I was a freelance worker where they were existing clients and they said, I'm going to raise my rates. I'm going to do it in two months. Um, here's what my current rate is that you've been paying. Here's what my future rate is. And there were some that were like, uh, absolutely not. <laughs> and there were others that were like, yeah, of course. Oh my God, you're so worth it. Um, and I think that, you know, when you keep in mind that the people that you're working with are going to have their own emotions that they're bringing to the situation too, if you can respect that the ones that it doesn't go well with just wasn't meant to be. Um, I know that that's a bit woo-woo probably for some people, but there really are really great connections that you want to foster and you want to build and you want to invest in. And then there are other connections that just aren't meant to go a lot longer. And I think that, you know, relationships in any capacity, whether it's professional and work-related or whether it's personal and intimate, they all have different parts on a spectrum, right? So some are like short and sweet and quick, or some are kind of angry and like, let's stay away from that. And some are like really, really great. And let's like totally dive into this and keep going. It's really important to listen to those kind of feelings too on that spectrum of like, how do you honor that and still get what you need to have the life you want, right? So it's focusing on the money aspect, but also the, emotions that go with it and the reciprocal energy because there's always an energy give exchange right that goes on with this and you're giving up a, a big part of your life in service to this other person or this company or whatever you want to call call it and it's for money um, and so understanding that it's an energy exchange to what you bring in or go in with is part of what you're going to take out too so if you go in combative, it's probably not going to go very well, right? Or if you go in thinking, I should have gotten that raise and this is ridiculous and that other person and you've got comparisonitis is what I call it of like, they got this thing and I should have had it. You know, it's like, okay, they got this thing. Whether or not you like that person, let's be happy that they were able to accomplish it. That means that it's possible. And if that's something you want, then I'm grateful that I saw something that I wanted and learned about a new desire that I have that I can chase, right? So it's, it's all about how you come at it and, and how you address it and what you're bringing to it. And I think if you are having kind of these negative emotions, that means that there's, there's more work to do on mindset before you're ready to really dive in. I love that. We've got some folks chiming in uh, here in the chat box. Uh, Christine says that uh, she loves this. Yes, sometimes you're going to expand and your, and your current clients may not be ready to expand with you. Um, and then that she also agrees, let's let others receiving uh, what you want be your, be your expanders. So that's a really beautiful way to think of it as well. Um, thank you, Christine, for writing that in the chat box. All right, so let's move on to the next, uh, the next question here. And I love that also, you don't have to say that things are too wooey, like uh, woo wooey or whatever you called it. Like we can get deep, we can go woo wooey, like <laughs> get statistics, you know, like let's go all the ways. Because I think that the more we have these more, um, I don't know, organic conversations about something, you know, this energy, as you call it too, that this exchange that that money does or has, 
uh, it's better to be aware of it and to like either find some humor into it, you know, like, I don't know, make it a little more uh, appropriate to, to, to learn from each other and learn with each other. I love that you talked about that on the last chat too, kind of like, you know, share, share your secrets uh, and, and expand together. All right, so let's move on to this question here. Uh, what data do you recommend bringing to the conversation when asking your boss for a raise? So personally, a lot of data um, I find online. I'm a tech person, so I go to google.com and I literally just type in different ways of saying the same thing. So salary for this position name, salary for this slightly related position name, um, checking multiple websites. If you can, if you feel comfortable enough or have close enough relationships with people that are in a similar position of what you're doing and, and the job that you're either going for or the job you're doing that you believe you should have a raise for, I would ask them too. I mean, it's all in how you ask, right? So there's some people that you can go to and you can say, Hey, I know this might be weird. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask for a raise and, and offer up a bit of your vulnerability to them. Um, and you'll find that if you're like, hey, I don't, I'm not trying to like get the exact dollar amount you make. I know that's not necessarily comfortable. If you are comfortable, that'd be great. I'd really appreciate it. But even like a ballpark, or if you like, if they're just like, uh, I don't know if I'm comfortable telling you what I make, a lot of times I'll go from it at a different angle then of, here's the research I've done. Here's what I think I can ask for. What do you think? The one thing I will say that is kind of a, a catch, a gotcha in that is make sure that these are the people that you are wanting to emulate or are doing what you're already doing. If it's like your mom or dad who are not in that field, they don't understand and they're like, that's too much. They maybe don't know what that role is really actually going for. Like, so pick and choose who you're actually going to ask for that information. Um, and honestly, I will say like, I do probably 60% research and the other 40 is like gut, gut instinct. It's, it's knowing how much the company has, it's knowing how flexible they might be. Um, and sometimes it's just like having a fuck it attitude of like, I'm going to see what happens because <laughs> there's plenty yeah. of times I've just like thrown caution in the wind and been like, I'm going to throw this number out. And they're like, okay. And just move on. And I'm like, Holy shit. Did you see that? Like, like that's that point where you like want your best friend next to you. And you're like, Oh my God, I did it. And they're like the people on the other side of the table often are like, yeah, okay. You know, like just write it down. We'll see. You know? Yeah. And it's Maybe what's cool in those moments. Uh, it's like, I've been, I've been in a similar situation to where then my like, you know, that fuck it, I'm going to try it. This quality came out. Uh, and when several months later, uh, I was told that they liked the way that I negotiated. And I was like, great. I'm, uh -huh. and thank you for respecting that. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Exactly. You know, there's, there's whether or not you're actually confident in those situations, it comes off confident because at least you're vocalizing it and you're putting it out there. And so when you put that kind of energy out there, the world has a way of just listening to you and being like, she's worth that. Hell yeah. You know, like it's, it's that woo woo stuff again of like energy exchange. And like, if you walk out there and even if you're like, I'm worth it, <laughs> you know, I finished or whatever, you're still saying it. And then it becomes, you know, I'm worth it. I'm worth it. I'm worth it. I'm worth it. I'm totally worth it. Like you start to just kind of like 
pick up speed on that. And then it, it really has the life of its own. Mm -hmm. And then it's like the other side, I know that, you know, not that you should um, think yourself into a hole on what the, po what could possibly happen based on the responses. You know how the mind can just go into a hole and you're like, yeah. it doesn't matter. You can't predict the future. You don't know what other circumstances are. Just say it. Oh, um, and to be willing for whatever happens on the other side to just happen and knowing that, you know, I don't know, not, not going into some misery or suffering because it didn't end up how do you can you approach that to like okay what happens when you're told no i mean how many how many i don't know of our idols uh, of the past were told no several times and even you know didn't even live to see people tell them yes and we like study their work now how do you receive a no so for me a no is always a learning lesson and i think that this is partially due to my dad who had no problem telling me no <laughs> Um, and, you know, really encouraged me to lean into it and be like, okay, well, are you going to negotiate on why you don't? And like, my parents always thought I would turn out to be a lawyer because I'd be like, hell yeah, I'm going to negotiate. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, recognizing that no is part of life. No is not bad. It's, it's not an automatic negative energy, just like other things. It has what you bring to it. And so recognizing that, you know, first of all, just letting go that no isn't a bad thing. If you don't get what you asked for, you still learned something, you still gained knowledge. You have an opportunity when you get a no to learn even more. If you can push through the emotions of feeling turned down or feeling neglected or feeling however that might make you feel, if you kind of separate your ego from that no and start going, okay, so I didn't get that, let's find out why. Because then you have that knowledge for the next time that you do ask. So if they're like, well, it's just the timing's not right. Or, well, budgets are just done. Or, well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, sometimes people will just like put up a blocker just to see if that's enough to stop so they don't have to deal with it. Um, and, you know, when you ask those follow-up questions, a lot of times that ends up, like you think the door got slammed but it didn't, it just like slammed and you're like, knock, knock. And they're like, oh, hey, <laughs> you know? And so you find out more information by asking, okay, well, why, what made you come to that now? And especially asking it in that kind of a way where it's not like, what the fuck do you mean? No, <laughs> like, do you hate me? Is this a, a judgment on my character or like my work? Um, but when you come at it from a different angle of like, I understand that you are in a position to say no right now, and I'm curious what brought you there. You'll find out really valuable information that might even change that no into a maybe or a yes, or it at least prepares you for the next time that you do ask for a raise. Absolutely. So beautifully put too, because it's, uh, you're basically able to go deeper into the core of what you really want. So like, I don't know, um, just, you know, how, how the no is neutral, essentially. It's not a negative or positive thing. It doesn't mean that you've succeeded or failed. And if you approach it in a way where you're going deeper, where it's like, well, why, why am I thinking I should do this? Or am I, am I, why aren't people seeing me this way? And why am I thinking I'm more than that? You know, and it causes you to have um, some alone time with yourself to reevaluate. I mean, I can say that mindset has definitely helped me during this COVID process to start to work on some projects that I've been kind of like holding inside and not giving love to. 
Um, and I realized that it is a lot of it's, it's, uh, and I would say I'm pretty like, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty like, you know, I got a good foundation. I'm pretty positive. Like, but dang, man, this COVID is like making everyone go like, yeah. up and down and it's just like intense. The energy is intense. Yeah. So it's like, if you're trying to negotiate now, let's say, or if you're trying to like do a career pivot now, and there's all this like uncertainty around you that could potentially bring you more anxiety and like make you have the trembling voice that you feel that it's better to just not say anything if it's going to be trembling. And then you just go into this like dark thought of like, I'm not going to ask or like, I'll just wait till next year. You know, um, I feel like it, it, how do you break through that, that, uh, that's, I don't know, um, barrier and mindset has been so helpful for me. So I'd love for, to hear you talk a little bit more about that because you bring it up throughout and you hint towards it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was hit by it too. A lot of like, how do you move past, um, how do you move past something where the entire world just shifted? Right. It's this, this kind of, okay, we were all going along we were in this car and then all of a sudden the road stopped and everything that we had been doing just naturally was like, nope, we got to reevaluate. <laughs> like, um, and so, you know, myself included, uh, I, I really had a, a revolution of who I was and how I viewed the world and what I thought I was, um, what I expected from the world. Uh, I had to let go of a lot of limiting beliefs. I had to let go or move through really a lot of grief I think there's a lot of grief when the world shifts this fast and so across the board. I mean, it really is worldwide, right? Um, and it's it's interesting to see how it hits different places too, because you know, based on economies in those places, the experience is very different in East India versus Oregon, you know, the U.S. Um, but we're all affected by it, and it changes our lives and it changes our perspectives. And so for me. It was important to connect with my mentor, um, reinvest in my own learning, my own expanding, my own way that I think about things. Um, so I invested in classes. Um, most of them were live via Zoom because like at the beginning of the pandemic, everything's online. Um, now that's easing up a bit, but I'm finding I really like it. It gives me access to uh, amazing minds that normally you'd have to be in person for. And now because they're part of humanity too, they're having to shift and go, okay, I can't do these big in-person conferences or, you know, weekend adventure kind of things. It needs to move online. And so I've actually found that even though COVID has had so many negative impacts, it's also had some really amazing positive ones. So the opportunity to change your mindset and invest in yourself is bigger than I think it's ever been before. And I think the opportunity to move your career and your life in a direction that you really are intentional about is also bigger than it ever was before. Um, so at the beginning, I was very like, WTF, how do we handle this? And I've since shifted like, this is such an amazing opportunity to expand, to grow, to chase my dreams, to make more money, to, to do all these things that facilitate a life and a way of living that I want to invest in. Totally. I mean, and also with the perspective of like, 
putting it in context of all of the disasters that are happening now, all of the isms, the racisms and sexisms and all of the things that are happening now. So you want to do that, everything that you just said, and you want to like have some social impact too. You're like, you want to be able to like replenish and like, or stop supporting, be more mindful, support different kinds of businesses and local and, you know, mindful and all these things, because we realize that we've been on this kind of like, fast treadmill of going fast and being like super comfortable in our comforts of, I don't know, mass consumption essentially, which also I think if, if I could do like a big psychology report, I, it'd be interesting to see if that has something to do with the way that we all like the, the I, I, I'm speaking of course, for, for my home country in the States, right? Cause I know that the most, I currently live in Argentina, so it's a totally different economy here. But you do get a really high consumption life, like, you know, more, more is better, you know, newer is better, doesn't, the I don't know, better. People, the faster is better, don't know the people that made this, don't know their working conditions, whatever, it happens on a global scale. And this way that we like have this relationship with like that, I wonder if that psychologically uh, affects our, how we self value self-worth, essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. I think it's baked into the foundation, especially as being United States Americans of like, if you don't perform, you're not valuable. Like that's what a lot of American mentality has boiled down to for the last hundreds of years, I guess, basically, if you think about it, really. And now we're kind of having this shift of, you know, where, what is value? Like we're just going to the root of it. Like let's all the way to the boiled down bottom. What is value? And, and I think a lot of people are starting to wake up to what some other cultures are very aware of. Like I'm, I was raised Anishinaabe Ojibwe too. And there's this value of money is a tool. It doesn't mean you're valuable. It's what you do with that money and what you do with the energy that you're putting out in exchange for that money and what you do with your energy that is invested in, you know, taking care of the land or helping your neighbors or showing up to protests or calling senators, all of that stuff. I think that a lot of us are starting to really see things clearer of how important it is to be tuned into those things and, and at least take stock of where your energy is being spent. I think before it was a lot of like, we're on, like you said, we're on this wheel, we're gaining money, we're losing money, we're spending it all the time. And there's no real check-in of what is my life? What do I want to do with it? And how do I want to affect the rest of the world with it? Right? Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Listen, <laughs> yes, yes. No, it's good. I mean, thank you for going deep with me. And uh, if, if anyone wants to come off mute and join us, I feel like we just need like a, an organ, like totally. start playing. Service. Like, now we're going to pass, pass this around. Please put your coins in. <laughs> it's not so, Sunday. It's Monday. <laughs> it's Monday. It's a new Monday service. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's interesting though, is, is thinking about, um things like i don't know more inclusive economy and more um like uh, holistic economy essentially and not just linear growth growth means other things as well like we were talking about when we first started it's autumn there 
And it doesn't just go from, you know, one season to the next in a sharp linear line. There's this whole change that happens throughout. So it's this constant change that is growth. Um, and, and there's a certain point where, I don't know, some of the, some of the, the instincts that we have in our modern Western culture of growth, it's, it ends up hurting us, you know, like, and, and putting down our self-worth. So th these are some things that I'm like, you know, I told you I'm reading sacred economics. I, I also have women who run with wolves, the Ooh, myths, nice. stories of the wild woman archetype. And I'm just like, yeah, this whole, we got to redo history. No, I'm just saying we cannot do redo history. And this is like a beautiful part of it, but there's so much, we got to learn the A side of history because we've been taught the B side and we're all on this like boat. That's just like, you know, where, where are we going right now? You know, this is, this is what's happening. And how do we as, as grown ass women don't know our self-worth right now? You know, what mm -hmm. happened? Mm -hmm. And it's a constant there. game too. You know, it's not just, Oh, I attained it. I'm good. Thanks guys. Bye. Like, it's like, I feel hella confident today. And then tomorrow night I might be like, I need chocolate and ice cream and like, you know, um, it, is, it is a continual check-in and battle and um, mental mind game of reaffirming that you are valuable and you're worth it and you deserve so much more than I think most of us realized. <laughs> Totally, totally. Okay, so let's go to this next question here. I'm especially curious how you'd approach my situation. I recently got switched, I recently switched industries and got a significant pay increase from my previous job, but this actually landed me in a low pay percentile for my bracket in the new industry. How would you approach that situation? I have been there and it's annoying. <laughs> um, so I think this is a prime opportunity of like, I did that when I switched between uh, publishing and going into website building. And I think especially as women too, they're kind of like, oh, she's coming from, you know, this lower paying job and switching careers. So, you know, we'll, we'll just start her at the bottom thinking like that's where you deserve to be, which I think is really backwards, but that is a very common um, place for employers to look at. Um, and so I think that, that would be one of those things that depending on how long you're there, depending on your relationship with your manager, um, I would do my research and advocate for a higher than whatever your annual normal raise is based on that and just say my previous job in a different industry that has zero reflection pay wise on what this job is worth. And so I'm assuming that you're probably quite competent and motivated you're attending this so I think that you're investing in yourself um, being that kind of an employee they're going to recognize that value and I think that that's something that you can quote unquote sell them on of I am reinvesting my time and energy into building myself into a better career and a better future and I'm motivated and I think that this means I should be paid more. I recognize that I am at the lower percentile for this bracket. I don't think I belong there. I'm not a brand new student who hasn't done anything. Even if they were, that's just, you know, a way to word it for this situation. Um, and I just don't feel I belong there. And I think that I'm underpaid. And, you know, it's, it's important to say it without any emotion of like, I think I'm underpaid, you know, or I should be making more or, you know, cause it's hard. It's money. It's there's, there's so much emotion that can be wrapped around that, but checking out of that and plugging into just the facts of, 
I don't belong in this low pay percentile just because I'm new to this industry. I belong closer to the middle or in the middle or above middle, whatever you feel you are, are worthy of, ask for it. Um, 100%, it's very normal to find yourself in that low pay percentile. It's best to negotiate when you're getting the job. But even if you've already started, which it sounds like you likely have, um, there's always room for more negotiation. I think you can say, I didn't understand the pay range of this when I joined. I recognize it now. I am confident that I belong in this percentage. And then checking in later, right? Like if you, if, if they say, yeah, we do our annual review, like making sure that you, like, what do you expect to see in that time and work on that to, you know, if that is your decision yeah. to take and then come back and say, cool, I did these things, you know, um, and so you have that kind of data to, to back totally. up with you. And another thing I can tell you is if you happen to be working for a big corporation, a lot of them will have, I forget the exact term for it, but they have a process for actually defining if they are paying appropriately. Um, so based on going rates. So if you're in that very low part of the percentage, um, you should ask them for, I wish I could remember the term. I'll add it um, and have it sent out in the email. But basically corporations can do what's called like a, uh, maybe compa ratio, I'm not sure. It's not ringing a bell. But it's, it's basically the company will do their own market research and see what competitive rate it pay is for that position title for that size of company. And if you're underpaid, they will bring you up to what is actually the um, standard. And so like I know people who got 100% raises because they were that underpaid in another country. Like, so don't be afraid to ask for comparative analysis from HR. HR should know about it if you're in a big corporate company. Um, you could potentially do it in smaller companies, but they're probably not gonna know as much about it. But big corporations will have policies around that and structure that they can take advantage of. Yeah, yeah, great. Okay, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to this next question here. So I've just been offered a new job but would like to be making more than what they've offered. What percentage increase is appropriate to ask for when counter offering? Are there new employment situations where you don't recommend trying to negotiate salary? Always negotiate salary. <laughs> um, I, and, I mean, unless it's like outrageous and you never thought you could ever make that kind of money. Even then I would say like ask for 5% more or something. <laughs> um, as far as counter offering, I don't think there's a magic number. Uh, I think it depends on your market research, your confidence, uh, the size of the company, um, how much they want you. Um, I think that, you know, if I ballparked it, I see no issue with five to 10% negotiation. I feel like that's pretty standard. But I mean, just like I, I mentioned earlier, I know people that have gotten 100% raises depending on where you're from and what is comparative payment in the U.S. So I would argue always negotiate. And then I think depending on the situation without knowing more information, I can't tell you a percentage wise, but I'd say say five to 10% at least. And then depending on your research, maybe more. Great. Thank you so much, Amy. Mm -hmm. All right. So we have just a little over 15 minutes left. So I don't know if anyone wants to hop off of mute or write in the chat box anything in particular. If not, no worries. I'll just continue reading from the screen here. 
Um, so how about if anyone has anything they'd like to say, just let me know in the chat box and after this question, we'll get to it. Um, okay, so let's move on to this one, Amy. Uh, is it possible to negotiate like you suggest when your employer is a big company with rigid pay raise structures in place? Yes, they will tell you no. Uh, your management will tell you no. HR might even tell you no, um, but there's always, <laughs> there's always a way to negotiate. There, there is no, no such thing as a 100% rule. Um, and the way that I look at it is, I take a lot of inspiration from the top people of the company. Um, one of the things that really blew this open for me was I had a manager who negotiated, I think it was like four weeks of vacation. And at the time I had only ever heard of two. So that just like blew my mind. I was like four, what? <laughs> and then on top of that, realizing like you, cause you know, when they um, interview you or hire you, they're like two weeks is the max, that's it. And then you find out, okay, it's the max. That's not it. Cause clearly this person got four weeks and this person has this and this person has that. And so it's like these, you know, work is filled with this kind of stuff where it's just like BS hurdles of like, we're going to put this tiny little ribbon across this opening and, you know, you can't pass that. But literally you could walk right through it because it's a freaking ribbon and you're a big human. <laughs> and so it's like all these little like checkpoints of, do you want it bad enough to keep pushing through this? Because none of it is actually a hard rule that can't be broken. And everything is negotiable, whether it's your hours of the day, how many days of the week you work, how much vacation you get, what kind of benefits you get, if they match your 401k, if they give you more compensation, like everything is negotiable. There is no hard stop. I love that. And Christine wrote, <laughs> uh, like false nose designed to test you. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. That keeps like, the general herd, a herd, so it's easier to manage, but if they want you and they appreciate you, everything is negotiable. It's true because I guess when you start to, I mean, some folks have it, obviously it's an innate like ability to negotiate and that is a thing that they have. And then some folks don't, but I think that the system uh, doesn't really encourage it because they want a lot of people doing the same kinds of things, but that doesn't really do a lot of, it's not sustainable clearly. Uh, and it's unfair actually. So I think it's interesting to, to look at it from that perspective as well. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you'll find like, if you, the really great managers too will be like, it's not allowed, but I'm just not going to tell them. <laughs> so like I've had jobs where they're like, you get four weeks vacation. And I'm like, they're like, oh, no, it's fine. You just take it whenever you want. But like on paper, you get four weeks. And I'm like, okay, deal. <laughs> so, you know, there's all sorts of ways around this stuff. All right. So let's move on to this next question here. I don't see anyone writing in the chat box. So I'll move on to this question. Uh, do I follow my own guidance in terms of raising my rates? Or is it better to follow an industry standard um, uh, process like, like a 5% raise per year? Um, so I can tell you that it's more comfortable to do the industry standard, but I can also tell you, you will leave money on the table doing that. Um, you should always follow your own guidance and your own gut instinct. Um, you know, your clients, you know, who you want to work with, you know, what they can afford. 
you know what to charge them. Um, I think that the harder part comes when you have to finesse those conversations of raising your rates to existing clients. I've always found that really challenging. There's no easy one, two, three, this is how to do it and it'll be perfect every time. Um, but I always found comfort in knowing that the right clients will want to pay me what's appropriate. Um, so I would argue against the standard um, industry, but yes, standard, yeah. <laughs> we're getting started. Yeah, I mean, it's just I probably sound a bit like a broken record, but like the the rules that are out there are for people who don't think bigger. Um, and if you're willing to think bigger, you can get bigger results. Um, you know, I know coaches that are making high six-figure salaries um, because they've targeted the right clientele that knows that they're worth it. Um, there's no like, I got a certificate from Harvard that says that I can charge this much. That's not a thing. It's about your own personal value, what you know you're worth, you know how hard you're going to work, you know that you're going to provide that value to your customers, put it out there. I think you'll get, you'll be surprised with what you'll get back. I love it. I love that. All right. So let's move on to this next question here. So I'm launching my own freelance social media managing company. Are there different rules when you're trying to get a raise from clients instead of from a traditional employer? Um, I mean, I don't know that there's different rules necessarily, but there are different practices and kind of things that you get to consider. So I think there's a lot more flexibility. Um, one of the things that I did that probably sounds weird, but actually was really great was I would charge different amounts for different clients. Um, if I knew that a client had a successful business and they could afford it, I would charge my full rate or maybe even more. If I was like, they can afford this and I'm worth it and I'm going to be hella valuable to them, they're going to, they're going to pay more. Um, I love that. Also like, um, I mean, cause it's so like, it's an absurd way to think of it, of it but I think it's, up, it's, is it called like the sliding scale or something? I've read a little bit yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. I don't know. Like that might be the actual term for it. Um, but I just did it because you know, I make the rules. It's my company. I get to decide um, what I'm going to charge. And, you know, I expect to charge my full rate for the most part. But if there's a friend or a company that I really believe in, and I know they can't afford it, uh, but might someday, you know, there's bartering options, there's all sorts of stuff. So what I would argue is that there aren't any specific rules, but play around with it see what you can do. Um, don't necessarily publish stuff or you could say rates starting at that kind of thing to kind of at least get into the right group of people that might be hiring you. Um, but have fun with it. It's, you know, it, I think that there's this misnomer around money that it has to be scary and it has to be emotional and energetic and like intense. And you just like, uh, you know, you finally define that price and you're like, oh, I'm just going to throw it out there and not look. <laughs> um, but it can be really fun too, because like when you, when you hit those moments where you're like, oh my God, I'm making like really great money right now for this project. This feels amazing. I can pay the people that I work with really great money too. I can provide an amazing product that I can be really proud of. You know, it starts building and it starts like kind of getting this momentum of its own that you get to really enjoy when you start 
recognizing that money can be a really amazing thing um, and not something that you have to be scared of charging more. So good. This is like the, the money church, money service. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're dropping so much knowledge, but I feel like um, I've been interested. Like I said, I'm, I'm reading this book, Sacred Economics, like, what? I would never think to put those words together because it does have that like, kind of like, well, you put it in your hands and you like kind of throw it out because you don't want to touch it. And like, I don't know, nobody wants to talk about it. And it's something, you know, that has been such a taboo that it's become this, I don't know, beautiful curse, you can even say. Mm -hmm. It's to think of it in another perspective and like play with it, have fun with it and don't let it um, define us or, you know, restrict us essentially. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Okay. So let's, uh, let's move on to this question here. Are sites like Glassdoor accurate when it comes to income averages for your field? As a newbie in my field, should I just aim at the middle or argue for higher range because there's no looking back? How do you suggest being confident about these things when I don't necessarily know all there is to know about negotiations or my field? Yeah, um, great questions. So there's like four in there. I'll try to get all of them. So Glassdoor and sites like that, I think are pretty accurate, but only insofar that it's whoever is comfortable submitting what they're earning and they're being honest about it. So ballpark, probably pretty accurate. As far as like a specific number, I don't know that I'd go that deep with it. Um, so take it with a grain of salt, but it's a great indicator of a general range. Uh, as a newbie in your field, should you aim at the middle or argue for high? I always argue for higher because a lot of times, here's the, the challenge. When you have people who are interviewing for a position, yeah, it's funny because like you get these people and this is for companies, um, if you're interviewing for a company, even the people that don't have a skin in the game of how that salary is paid will try to get the lowest amount of salary for that position uh, often. And so when you aim low, you get low. They're not going to be like, oh, you, you hit the bottom of our thing. You should aim for the more, you know. But when you aim high, a lot of times they're not like, no. They're like, oh, that's kind of at the top of our range. We only go up to this. And then you find out what the top of their range is and you can go, oh, I can work with that. Or could we discuss some vacation change or flexible hours or whatever? Um, I find I've, I've gotten so much more by shooting above middle um, than by shooting for middle and, and trying to kind of like quote unquote play it safe is what I would argue that is. Great. I just also wrote a, I wrote a disclaimer in the chat box. <laughs> I said, you know, I keep saying money church. Uh, and I mean that with like in the best way possible because I'm not a super religious person. And I say that like in the best way possible, like you know, learning how to be sacred with our money, um, which Always I think could be good intentions is my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know, everything's on zoom these days. So I just want to make everyone remind, like remind everyone be comfortable. I love you. Okay. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to this next question here. Uh, a lot of times in the corporate and business world, men take credit for women's work. Absolutely true. Uh, would you recommend, how would you recommend navigating that type of situation when asking for a raise? All right, so I think there's a couple of things here. I'm not sure that they necessarily equate. Um, men taking credit for women's work is prolific. Uh, but I have learned that there are ways to use this to your advantage. Um, so 
this is going to be a bit of the, well, how can I make that work for me kind of thing. So sometimes it's a matter of like you're in a meeting and somebody announces the work that you've done and, uh, and doesn't credit you with it. Um, if it's appropriate for you to speak up in that meeting, I would speak up and say, hey, yeah, when I did that research, blah, 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 or whatever. Um, that then makes it clear that it's your work, not theirs. Or I'm so glad you brought that up. I really like that you um, liked what I discovered on that or something like that. This keeps the situation lighter because it's just like, oh, thank you. But you're also vocalizing that it's your work, right? Um, if there's a situation where you can't claim it, I think then it becomes a, depending on how often it's happening, it can be a bad work environment in my opinion. Um, so then it becomes, is this something that you report to HR, to a manager? Um, if it's happening a lot, I would say yes. Uh, then it, it asks those questions of, do you wanna stay in a place where that is tolerated? Can you make a difference and ensure that it's no longer tolerated? Do you have the energy to do that kind of thing? Um, so that's what I would say about that. As far as asking for a raise based on someone else taking credit for your work, I think that gets really sticky because then it's a he said, she said kind of thing and it almost feels like whining even though it's, it's, it's absolutely a situation that is worthy of it. But when you pair it with getting more money, I find that challenging. I think that you would have better luck going to them and saying, here's the work I do, here's the research I've done on what this position pays, here's why I think I, earn, I sh deserve more money. It shouldn't be because some guy took credit for my work, it should be, here's my work, this speaks for itself, this deserves more money. Absolutely. That's such great advice. Thank you for that. And I don't know if that person is on the call now, but that's a pretty um, specific situation. So feel free to write in the chat box or hop off of mute if you'd like. Um, and wow, this time, this time just is like, what is time? Didn't we talk about this? <laughs> so we've got five minutes left. Um, and so I guess before I read what's on the screen here, I'll, I'll do a light pause and see if anyone wants to hop off of mute and ask you all I ask you a question amy let's see uh, i'll take a sip of water so that you can come off of mute if anyone wants to i would encourage you we're we're not mean <laughs> we like hearing voices yes and christine uh, says oh kirsten says to start a podcast <laughs> and christine writes this has been such a great call great i'm so glad that you all like this call thank you so much everyone um with that said i mean i guess do you want to just take these last couple of minutes that we have and talk about anything that you want to talk about? Any food for thought? Um, send us off with, with, with some things we can keep in mind. Um, so I think there's a few things that are, have been really kind of floating around my brain lately. Um, one is don't self-limit. Um, you know, with, with times like these, it's really easy to be focused on the negative and everything that's going wrong and how things aren't possible or they aren't possible the way they used to be. Um, and while the world has fundamentally shifted, there is still so much beauty and possibility and openness for expansion and 
ways to still live a life that you really are happy with and you don't find restricting. So when you find yourself in situations where you feel trapped or where you feel not worthy or where you feel undervalued, speak up, um, believe in yourself, um, and, and don't hold yourself back. I think that especially women often are afraid to ask for more, let alone most, uh, of what they could get. And I would like to encourage you to trust in yourself to give the world an opportunity to show you how much you can achieve and how much more um, value you bring when you are confident and believe in yourself and speak up and ask for what you uh, deserve. Absolutely. I want to, I want to hold you on one of those really quickly, but I just got someone here writing in the chat. Alex, yes, this is being recorded. You're going to get a rewatch email and you can rewatch this on Power to Fly. Um, so Amy, but how do you just to just give us some extra food for thought? Um, how can you start to tune, uh, that, that intuition so that you can develop more, um, patience and, you know, confidence and all these things. What would you suggest if someone on the call right now can walk away right, doing some of that right now? Yeah. So, uh, a few things kind of pop into my head on this. I think a lot of it is being aware of where you're sending your energy. So if you have time to listen to podcasts that are inspiring, that are informative, um, spend your time there. If you have time to meditate, to ground yourself, to take a moment to pause and really focus on you and what you want in life. I think a lot of times, myself included, I forget to just stop and ask myself if I'm happy if I'm doing things that make me happy, if there's stuff that's really loud that's making me really unhappy, am I doing something to change that? Um, so I've gone to coaches, I've gone to mentors, I've invested um, not only time but money to change my way of thinking, to change my perspective, and to, to build a better world for myself, which also builds a better world for those around me. Yes, I'm throwing <laughs> digital confetti. I love this. This is great. So I just, I want to take who wrote this in the chat box. Um, let's see. Someone asked about a podcast. I'm going to take that challenge. Uh, Kirsten, uh, let's, Amy, let's maybe let's start a little podcast and just okay. like take a minute to the economic church. <laughs> Whatever okay. you want. We can do that. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. And this past hour has been great. Um, I've learned a lot. I'm happy that uh, I get to host these chats and just dive into these beautiful conversations. Amy, I hope to see you again. Uh, we're going to be in touch. And thank awesome. you everyone for taking the time out of their busy schedules to chat with thank us today. You. This was great. Thank you.